welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, so you never miss an episode. Leave a five-star review while you're there. Did you know there is an easy way to help support the podcast and keep the show going? Buy Me a Coffee is an incredible new platform where you, the loyal Block Talk audience, can say thank you to your favorite host. All you have to do is show support with a few taps by leaving a little tip that's just like buying me a cup of coffee. And the great thing is, you don't even need to create an account. Visit buymeacoffee.com slash blocktalk and keep blocktalk going strong like a cup of coffee. And as always, follow me on Instagram at michaelblocktalk, on Twitter at blocktalknyc, and visit theaternow.com for the latest news, reviews, and interviews. If you look up the definition of drag in the dictionary, this person's face will appear. She is a legend of the New York drag scene and one of the most well-rounded drag artists I've ever had the pleasure of watching. It's the astonishing Pixie Aventura. Hello. Hi. You started that and I, I thought I had to define what drag was and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> no, no, that one, that'll leave to other people. You, you, you are, for me, the definition of drag. I honestly, this has been an interview I've wanted to have for the longest time. Uh, because I just admire you so much and you just are one of my favorite drag queens. Thank you. I try. Um, try. Yeah. But I got I gotta I gotta say it. we have to address it. You were just in Disney. Um to say that I am jealous is an understatement. Yeah. How was it? It was great. So um I've been to Disney forever. I, I grew up in Miami, so it was a just a, sh- a skip and a jump to go whenever my parents wanted to go and now they live in Orlando so it's very easy access um actually went with two friends one of which hadn't been there since they were three. Oh wow so I mean that doesn't really count I mean you don't remember mm-hmm. anything so um it was fun we did all the parks it was 40 degrees one day uh-huh which I was still like, no, I am not wearing a winter jacket. So I bear the cold. And um, I may or may not have joined Alice down the rabbit hole at Magic Kingdom. Ooh, fun. That was an interesting experience. That's fun. Yeah, I have I've not been to Disney in nine years. Uh, both my trips last year were postponed because of my little uh, injury and, you know, COVID. But uh, yeah. right now I have it planned for May. Um, and yeah, you said your friend has been there since they were three. I've the, the amount of things that have changed in the past nine years is just wild. In the past three years, yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's been a lot. Did you did you explore the genie plus? Yeah, um, that was a headache and a half. Um, I I I don't they don't have their shit together still. It is very inconvenient. It is. You, you, by the way, if you get the genie pass, look at me promoting this. If you get the genie pass, that doesn't mean you get access to all the rides. You still have to pay for extra for like the big top rides, which yeah. it's not really said. And yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm one of those people who um, I will watch all the Disney vlogs. Like that's possibly my next outlet. It's to do like more Disney content. Okay. Um, and just watching everyone try to attempt to explain how the Genie Plus worked when it rolled out, pure confusion. I still don't understand it. 
Um, yeah, you can only do a ride at a time. Mm-hmm. So you have to reserve. So doing a, a park hopper is not beneficial for a genie plus. I mean, oh maybe for one, but the whole point is that once you book one and you go on the ride, then you can book the next one. But that does not include all of the rides, all the big ones, which you have to literally buy a genie ticket for a specific slot if you get it. If no, you get it. It's, they just want their money. They like, they like money. I understand mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Well, we're here to talk about you, and yeah. we like to always start at the beginning. And you kind of already alluded to where you're from. So you are from originally Miami. Born and raised Miami, Florida, 305 represent. Miami uh, is nice. Got to say it thrice. I used to be. I don't know if I like, I'm proud of saying I'm from Florida <laughs> now. That's fair. Just a little cray cray. But I've been here now for over 12 years. So I'm a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Balsamic vinegar. What what were you like as a child in uh, Florida? Um, I was I was very hardworking. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like I was behind in a lot because when I discovered theater, when I truly discovered theater, I was in high school. I didn't realize that Broadway existed. My my um, environment growing up just did not know about that. So. Um, felt like I was playing catch up for a long time. I only started doing actual dance training when I was in high school. Um, so I just felt like I was very focused um, in that. Mind you, I was also a gifted and honor student. So Naturally. Now, when you say you discovered what Broadway was, what was the entryway into theater? You know, mind you, I had seen a lot of stuff on TV. I had seen right. movie musicals as well. Not as many growing up, but still not realizing that Broadway existed. I, it just, mm-hmm. I was not exposed to it until I went to high school, which was a performing arts high school. Um, I actually got into the vocal department. And while being in the vocal department, um, with lack of better words, the, the, um, the show choir, which in my opinion, is not a show choir at my school because there was never a competition. It was always like sure. the, the football team of our school. Um, truly, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw them perform at the wel- the freshman welcome thing. And I was like, wait a minute, what? So I started looking more into it. And that's when I discovered Broadway, which is wild to me that I had not been exposed to it. Before and that. you went to college for theater. I went to college for theater as well. Uh, at Otterbein. At Otterbein and outside of Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, there, there are definitely um, a lot of drag queens who have attended Otterbein throughout the years. Yeah, yeah. Um, Me and Boots and Viserys went to college around the same time. I had Amanda Pork on the podcast a couple months ago. She mm-hmm. also went to Otterbein years after uh, both of you. But mm-hmm. she really said the... the um, the drag outlet there really you both kind of were a way that she thinks as a way of getting into drag because of everything you started there when as I was one of the founding divas as a freshman um which is still a drag show that happens now and it's Mm -hmm. very highly celebrated by the 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 whole faculty and um department how did you get into drag what how did you um start and 
figure out, you know what, this is an outlet I like to do as well. You know what? It was an extracurricular activity in school. It, it literally was just a bunch of gays and one straight guy. What? Whoa. But yeah, that's not Maddie Morphosis is nothing new. <laughs> nothing new. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very still friends with uh, the straight guy. <laughs> but um, it was just another way to uh, you make your college experience is what you make out of it. And sure. Uh, you could either just go and attend classes and do what you have to do, or you can go out of the way and just use all of the resources that um, is available for you. And that's what we did. We found a time where the black box uh, was not being used. And it wasn't just us. We gathered the techies. We gathered everybody that had free time and like, hey, let's put on a show. We can. This is what we're training for. Let's do it. And it just became a very popular thing and something that, if anything, I'm very proud of. Because prior to that, I probably would have been like, oh, no, in fact, I did. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't like drag. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. And it's because I honestly didn't get it. And I didn't know what it really entailed for me. Um, but that's how I started. However, my Amazing. name did not start there. My name started in high school. Um, I joke that it's it's not necessarily a joke, but it's like the game of your first pet in the street you were born in. And I'm from Miami, so streets were numbers. So I had to just pick a neighborhood that made sense for me. So that's where I'm in Duda came from. Nice. Um, but yeah, and it just stuck. So Otterbein to New York, was that the ultimate destination? Did you know as a theater performer, that's where you wanted to be? In high school, I knew that was my goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew un- subconsciously that I was not ready for New York yet. And I wanted to train more, uh, especially like just starting late in the game. I knew that if I came to New York, I was just going to be thinking that I can do it. And then just like be just, it wasn't going to work out for some reason. I just knew that was what might happen. So I decided um, to go to college um, and train, and the goal was always to come here. Yeah, I um, when I had my own theater company, I used to go to um, a bunch of school showcases to recruit for my theater company. And Otterbein was when I went to uh, every year for a couple of years. Mm. There's, there's a lot of strong performers out there that went to Otterbein. Yeah, still not that known. Ironically. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so you come to New York, what was it like adapting to the big city? So luckily we had a um, internship before we actually graduated. So I was here for about three months um, at Telsey. And I'm sure you have stories from that. Uh-huh. <laughs> it really taught me a lot about the business aspect or, I mean, I don't know if you can call it business, but sure. definitely... Um, it taught me a lot and made me start to question things in a good way. Um, like, what exactly do I love about performing? What, what exactly do I want to do? What do I want to say? Uh, so that was a hard pill to swallow because right. up to now, I was putting all of my trust in professors and, you know, they, they know better. But in reality... I wasn't being honest with myself and I wasn't being um, true to myself and and where where I came from and what I had to offer. 
I thought for the longest time that whitewashing myself would allow me to be successful. And um, if anything, that was a hindrance. Did you find the audition grind to be difficult? In a, in a way, yeah, I would be, I would get to every final call to the end and not much would come out of it. Um, but it was also what I was going in for. Um, I mean, now that we've, we've passed this um, huge uh, Black Lives Matter movement, it's brought a lot of questions in and views of minorities and I mean, now the kids that are coming in that are from uh, minority groups, if anything, they have a better uh, chance because the views are a little bit more broad and open-minded in general, I think. Uh, because when I started going in, it was just like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> one, one accent would cover every possible Latin background. Right. So um, that was the, the culture shock for sure. When did you decide, okay, let's try to do the drag thing professionally as well? I did huge auditions for two years. Um, got a lot of interesting feedback. And that's when, uh, once again, I was also questioning, like, why am I doing this? What do I love about performance? And I realized that it wasn't just being on stage. It was also creating narratives that I really felt attached to or at least represented me because to that point I was just stepping into shoes um, as opposed to really like telling other stories that I never saw growing up that I truly connected to and that's when drag sort of came back into the picture because I had stopped once uh, college had ended and I met a drag queen at my survival job, which I don't even know if you know her, Lady Blue. Do you remember Lady Blue? I don't. Yeah. Well, she had a show at Sugarland in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. so my first performance was in Sugarland in New York City. So um, she convinced me to perform there, and I grabbed the Salvation Army outfits that I had because back in the day, you had to make do with what you got. These new queens mm -hmm. now think that it's all about like Katua and like, uh, what am I gonna, like, who, who's gonna make my outfit? Back then it was just like, baby, if you can't make it, you gotta make do. Exactly. If you don't know how to do makeup, you're gonna have to practice and figure it out because we didn't have YouTube. How um, would you describe Pixie in three words? <laughs> Jesus. Um, Diva, professional, entertainer. Yeah, facts. How long does it take to transform into Pixie nowadays? I'm going to say from shower to clothes, two and a half, two fifteen, two and a half hours. Do you have any traditions you like to do while getting ready? Yeah, so I've now been very fortunate to move into a place where Pixie lives in a room mm -hmm. and um, but what I do and I started doing this during right before COVID and during COVID was putting music on um, I decided to listen to the top albums of all time from billboards oh, cool. um, some of them I had 
you know, known and others I had never listened to and some I will never listen to again. But that sort of became my ritual of just like having something new um, to, I don't know, gain some sort of inspiration. Is there an album that sticks out as like, wow, I wish I knew about this one sooner? In general, yes. Not necessarily for performance aspects of it, but mm-hmm. Carlos Santana's, um, oh my God, hold on. I, I'm going to look for it because <laughs> it, it's been a while since I actually like looked it up. But uh, where is it? Where, there it is. Okay, Carlos Santana. I literally have a list on my phone because mm-hmm. that's what I do. Right, right, right. It's coming up. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. Oh my God. No, not that one. Do I have to go back up? I do. I swear. Carlos Santana's good. You what? Carlos Santana does some really good music. Yeah, but uh, Abrahas. There we go. Abrahas. Nice. Very, like, I was like, oh my God, how I've never heard this before. And, you know representation absolutely do you have any favorite makeup products uh i'm sure over the years you have tried them all who do you like to use now i don't use one specific makeup item Mm -hmm. if anything my makeup tray is just an array of all kinds of stuff i i am not loyal to one specific brand um i will say that my foundation is for eyebrow coverage uh it is Krylon and the rest of it, which I use for different tones of Maron uh, cream sticks. Uh, so it's Maron, um, but I use four different types of colors, not just one. If you were going to make a pixie palette, what colors would be included? Besides the tones mm-hmm. uh, of my skin, it would have to be you know, my makeup stays pretty pretty much the same unless it gets to Halloween and Christmas and that's where right. I like go out of the box a bit. But in general, I think high pigmented, um, cool colors. Right. Yeah. I love that. Who were some of the first people that helped you out in your drag journey? So my drag aunties are... Um, peppermint and sherry vine Mm -hmm. and as true aunties they are never there (laughs) so uh (laughs) that was always great but then the person that really took me under the wing after really putting me through the ringer was bianca del rio Um, what what was the most useful advice she gave you in the early days uh it's an advice that was given to her by cheetah rivera um, and it was obviously we're, we we actually have spent so many hours just looking up old Gio Rivera videos like that's one of our things. But um, Tita Rivera told her once that doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how many people follow you or how many fans you have, there will always be one person in the audience that has never seen you, and you have to be at one hundred and twenty percent and prove to that person why you deserve to be on that stage in that role. I love that. I mean, hearing you say that, that makes sense because every time I see you, 
you really are not only just the most professional queen I see, but you always are on giving a show, no matter if how many people are in the crowd, you are always there entertaining. And that's what I appreciate about you the most. Thanks. <laughs> what would you say is the biggest change you've made over the years as you've grown in drag? Um, it definitely been, I think the key word is growth. Um, I think when you think that you've made it and you've got everything set in your ways, that's kind of a big red flag because I feel as an artist, you'll never be there. You'll always strive to be better. You'll always continue learning. And I think that's something that I've learned to embrace now, um, as well as venturing into places that I necessarily have stayed away from. Um, maybe from like insecurities, maybe from having a chip on my shoulder, but you know, like, especially after these two years, we've, we only have one life to live. And if we keep making excuses for things that we really want to do, but are either afraid or don't think that we're able to do, it's just, it's not worth it. So it's, it's just jumping off the deep end. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk fashion. Let's talk drag looks. How do you put a look together? It really de depends on what I'm doing or what has inspired me. Um, there are certain times that it's uh, creating a mix or, you know, performing a specific song that um, sort of inspires or creates what the outfit is that I'm going to wear or as well as, you know what, I want to, I want a specific look. And from that look, I then decide what to perform. Um, my inspirations have come from my Latin roots, have been old Hollywood glam, have been uh, a little bit of punk, a little bit of ethereal fairiness, um, also um, galactical princess in a way. So I, I just derive from all of those aspects. So I had uh, Pureta on the show and she mentioned how much she adores working with you. Who are some of your favorite collaborators to work with when it comes to designers? Definitely Pureta. Uh, she is my go-to girl. Um, you know, I give her specific um, ideas, but then we collaborate and you know what she can pull out as well. And sometimes I'm like, hey, I want something that resembles that or whatever. And I just give her free will and never been disappointed um i've also worked with diego montoya and i've worked also with caro sparrow um those two have been very specific looks because mama is uh still a local queen so <laughs> but yeah they've been really incredible to work with as well now have you you obviously over time did you make some looks on your own are you a sewer um, I do. Yeah, I, I definitely have made stuff in the past. Um, it's just once my schedule started getting so hectic and busy, I had to choose between having some sort of a life or just always doing something. And for my sanity, I was like, you know what? I, I'll design the stuff. I know what I want, but I, I'd rather hand it off and give it to someone else. Well, speaking of handing off and giving it to others, I know your wardrobe has expanded over time. I know you've sold and given 
uh, pieces away. No, Amanda Pork has a couple of your pieces. The colonoscopy, I think, still has some of your pieces. Mm-hmm. How big is your drag wardrobe at this point? Uh, so we're talking about um, my room right now. My mm-hmm. my bed, my second bedroom is ten feet by eight feet. It's a regular size room with actually high ceilings, and it's completely it's a closet. It's a walk-in closet. It's my my Sex in the City carry closet. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, was that always a dream of yours to have a pixie room? I, I think it was more about having the separation. Um, before that, I was in House Kitchen and I was very fortunate to have a walk-in closet mm-hmm. that was 11 feet by three feet, which sounds huge, but it's very narrow. Um, but it was starting to overflow into my room. And, you know, I, I dealt with it. It was, I lived with it. It was fine, but I just, I needed the separation. And I think that was the goal, um, keeping work life from personal life. Fair. COVID has taken a toll on the entertainment industry, forcing many of us to remain creatively active while the in-person gigs were on hiatus. How have the lockdown and quarantine affected you as an artist? So I think it, it was very common in the beginning that I just felt like there was no plat- there was no inspiration. It was a plateau. It was a writer's block. But the silver lining in that was that I finally was able to rest and heal my body. And that's how I saw it. And I was like, you know what? I don't need to get in drag. I don't need to do a live show. I'm just going to focus on myself. So that's how I saw the beginning of COVID. And then I was very fortunate to be reached out to by many um, companies and whatnot to actually do some sponsorship with them. And that I was very lucky. I was very, very lucky to do that. Uh, I think I started working again uh, in May, early May of 2020. And then my first in-person performance was July of that year. So drag is growing faster and faster into the mainstream. And as you mentioned, you've been featured in some fabulous ad campaigns, including iRobot, Bubbly, Pepsi. Why is it important for a drag artist to be seen in national ad spots like this? I think for the longest time, we were the underworld. We were the taboo um, conversation. And obviously, Drag Race has opened up the door for not just the girls on there, but indirectly for a lot of the local queens, because now companies see that this, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. Companies see that there's like uh, a need and a call for such artists. But with that comes sort of like a generalized idea of what that is. And I've actually turned down some stuff with the way that they've approached a situation. There was actually one email or a call, I think it was, that was like, yeah, we're looking for a drag queen, blah, blah, blah. So let us know, um, do you do kicks? Do you do jumps? Blah, blah, And I was just like, yeah, why? Well, we're looking for, and I'm just like, then I'm not interested. I honestly was like, I'm not interested because what it tells me is that you're just looking for like a very generalized idea of what a drag artist can do. Like if I need to do that and able to entertain or give a, a, a message across, then it's just not for me. One of the coolest projects you launched during the times of restriction was Drag Me Out, where you put people in drag and 
the results were incredible. How did you come up with the idea and what was the experience like taking on people who really never done drag before and turning them into these beautiful drag artists? So obviously that concept is not new. It's been done before, but that came um, from an idea that I've been having, um, especially working with Logo in their drag um, drag shows uh, live on Instagram, which is a show idea that I pitched to them. And what it was in a way it was prepping me for the interview aspect so the, that transformation uh, project was more about the interview aspect than it was about transforming them into drag queens. Uh, because if not, it would have just been a speed video of just like, this is a person and I'm going to do them. It was more about the interview and what each person had to tell about the story. And I just wrapped it up with a whole drag thing. Um, you know, we all have stories to tell. And we there's only a few stories that are actually out in... in and broad media. So I really wanted to bring in um, different views and different experiences through that project. Um, now, what I thought it was prepping me for was this idea of sort of a, a round table, a purple couch, kind of like talk back interview specifically for uh, queer Latin people. Because um, I just feel it's not out there. And that hasn't gone anywhere, but the idea is still there. Um, and it's something that I'm so very passionate about. Who was your favorite story to hear from? Mm. Um, I think it was, I'm trying to like, trying to remember them all right now. It was like a year ago. Um, I think it was Robbie Fairchild, actually. Um, you know, we're friends, but I don't think we had actually gone into in-depth conversations about his, his life. And, you know, finding out that he was raised Mormon, that he was married to a woman. Um, you know, those are stories that we've heard before, but um, we got really personal on that one. And of course, uh, my dad which was the finale. I mean, there was no real story to be had. I think it was just the interaction that needed to be seen. And you had put him in drag before, or was this the first time? It's the first time. Does he want to do it again? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> it was a lot of work for me. It was a lot. I Those can imagine. Are weed, <laughs> like just weeds. <laughs> so as a staple of the drag scene, you are booked and blessed with some of the scene's longest running shows. How do you balance it all? Um, I like to prep ahead of time. Um, you know, one way that I, I cope with it is, let's say Saturday, Saturday uh, day or Sunday day, I prep the whole week with music and what I'm going to do. I have a playlist for every show of mine that goes back to 2014, 2015. Sometimes it's not needed. But what happens is I go back, see what I did um, a year ago, um, maybe pull from that and then add new stuff to it. Um, that is one way. Um, I think I just treat it as like a little bit of like a nine to five where I'm just like, this is what I have to do. I, I hate leaving things for last minute. Um, I will be open in changing things 
but at least I'm coming from somewhere as opposed to like starting with nothing. Fair. Um, yeah. Now, when it comes to different venues and different clientele, do you find yourself having to adapt to the venues or are you someone who is like, I'm going to do me first? So I've created the shows for each venue specifically to be different. Um, for my own sanity, uh, I hate to feel like I'm doing the same stuff over and over again. Um, now, if someone asks me to do something, if the audience wants me to do something, that's different. But I'm going into it trying to like give an audience experience that they're not going to find me doing the same thing any other day of that week as well. So that is why my Sunday show is a solo show at Barracuda. Um, Fire Island is technically not in the city. That's its own thing, but I am alone. I'm doing a solo show as well on Fire Island. Tuesday, I have a rotating cast member, co-host member um, uh, for a monthly gigs, a monthly residency, let's call it. Um, and that not only allows me to showcase someone that's not in the area as often, but it also sort of challenges me to have to accommodate my hosting skills with what they have to bring and offer. Um, and that keeps me on my toes. Then Wednesday is industry for the help, which obviously used to be at um, therapy, but that one stays pretty much the same, even though it's kind of the third cycle <laughs> of it. Because sure. um, I'm with Keisha Carr now and I started with Bob and I went with Monet. And then my, um, my baby is Thursday and that's Fuego. And that has come a long way because at first I couldn't get as many Latin queer artists in general, not just drag queens, to uh, be in the cast. And it took a while for me to actually like gather up a full cast of that because um, I was very adamant about doing more than just drag queens, um, which is still very difficult. It's very difficult. Um, and then Friday, once a month, is Distorted Disney, which is a four-person cast. Um, so they're all very different. Yeah. But that's... I, I appreciate that, because there are definitely artists out there who, if you see their show on one night, you can go to a different venue on another night and see the same show, uh, sometimes in the same look. And that's fine. But I, I appreciate you doing the extra work, because it, it, it shows. It shows how how you are able to maintain these long-running gigs yeah Did and you... I, yeah go ahead and i specifically have really worked out different things on how to incorporate in my show and it's in a way frustrating because now i see other people doing some of the stuff that i do and i'm just kind of like make it your own why do you have to like copy something else and then take it on as your own now obviously pre-covid post-covid you're one of the very few people who was able to kind of get everything back and yeah. and maintain everything were you nervous that with the tides changing and and new artists popping up um that there would be difficulty or did you know that you have a placement in the drag scene that is so necessary? I don't know if it's necessarily drag scene, but it was definitely conversations that I was having with owners and uh, with managers. It was, uh, it was never um, a complete silence. It was very much uncle. Sure. So 
I was ready to go at a hundred when things were able to start. Um, and that was the conversations that we were having. Uh, we didn't know what was going to happen. For example, in fire right. Island, fire Island was probably the most difficult in 2020 because you know, one day we, we had all these set of rules and then two weeks later, the rules were changing again. So it was a, it was a headache. And there were times where I was just kind of like, why am I even doing this? But, um, we were able to get through it, survive. And it also taught us how to maneuver around the circumstances. Absolutely. Now, as you mentioned, you co-star with Keisha Carr and the help easily one of the most iconic drag shows in New York city. Is it at this point now the longest running? It's up there. It's, it's up, there. up there. What is it about the show that has become such a fan favorite? I think it was a blueprint that Bob and I created that was not really happening at that moment because there were had there have been duo acts before, and we you know we didn't create that concept. But I think for the first time, it, this was not necessarily a um uh let's do number after number after it actually most of that show when i started with bob we only did a solo each and two numbers opening and closing we only did four numbers in that whole thing the rest of it was stand up yeah and i think that's what definitely brought in like this whole curiosity of what the show was as well as we had a black queen and a Latin queen leading a show, which at that, at that time, which is not really um, heard of. So I think that recipe uh, has allowed us to continue where we are, but also a blueprint for other people, because I've heard it many times from different bars being shady and being like, we want the help here. And it's just like, you know, it's not just the concept. Obviously, you have to have a good rapport with your co-hosts. You, you had Bob, you had Monet, you've had Keisha. Have they taught you anything individually new about yourself working with each of them? I think Bob um, was at a place um, in my career where I was still trying to define myself as what kind of a host and MC I was. Mm -hmm. um, and she definitely taught me um more of an openness uh when when hosting um i think i taught monet a lot <laughs> she could not have won all stars without my dance training there it uh, is there it is the t but uh i also i think i mean my monet's my ride or die she she just taught me taught me how to just have fun and be complete idiot on stage and it was so easy for us and actually Keisha and I actually started together uh, we actually worked together before Bob and Monet um, and I did um, so it was just kind of a natural combination for us yeah so you have been a part of the distorted family at the Beachman what is the biggest difference for you as an artist performing a review show compared to one of your bar shows Okay, wait, say that again. <laughs> How, what, what, for you as an artist, what's the difference uh, performing like a review show as opposed to a bar show? 
I think a review show, um, for example, like Distorted Disney is pretty much a set show. You know what works, you know how it's going to happen. It's, you can treat it as an off-Broadway show. Um, So it's, I mean, you can play around it. You can actually like, almost like, okay, what else can I do to keep this fresh? So that's that. And then for a bar show, at least for me, I don't treat it as a bar show. Um, I truly treat it as a full two act, um, maybe sometimes three act play because I want the audience to go through a, a full on journey. Like I want it to, like to feel like they're actually watching a show and not just doing numbers after numbers after numbers just because I like the song. I, I want to create a through line and I've created segments or, or, or games um, throughout all of my shows that sort of embody that where it takes into account all of the audience members as well and not just uh, me standing up there. Now, obviously, Distorted Disney evolves over time. New movies come out, new numbers are created. Yeah. Can we expect anything from Encanto? No. All right. That's fair. Not a fan. That's fair. We'll, we'll talk about John Leguizamo a little later, though. We'll get to him. Don't worry. Okay. I know tis the season to get ready for Fire Island. Are there other stops on the Pixie Aventura tour? <clears throat> Oh, not Fire Island season already. Um, I'm actually very excited because uh, the last two years I've not been able to travel really. And um, this year I've started doing more plans of that, more both leisure and also for work. And I think it's what has kept me going because there's been a time um, the last few years where I've just felt very stagnant in New York where I just feel like I've done as much as I could possibly do and I haven't gotten to be fair treated well within the nightlife so I've I've felt that I I needed to go to other places so other people can uh, see me as well as experience other places because that's how I've that's how I've grown has been traveling to um, other places especially internationally So in March, I will be going to Hawaii to perform for the first time uh, ever. Um, I am in talks with the PR team for um, Eurovision, and they want to bring me out in May to Italy. That's fun. I know that's that's still up in the air, but I'm (laughs) really hoping that happens. Are you are you a big Eurovision fan? I am. Yeah, I really am. And I think it comes from just trying to always find new music. Like that is my MO. I just, I want to do music that really speaks to me as opposed to the top 40, you know, like you can go to any show and see that, but like, I want to provide something else. Yeah. I'm a Eurovision fan. So it's been really kind of crazy to see Mona skin kind of doing an American tour on late night shows and Mm -hmm. performing and even being on SNL. I didn't think a Eurovision actor was going to be able to do that, but look where they're, they're doing it. Yeah. Um, now, did you see the movie uh, Eurovision Song Contest? I did. Fire Saga. Fan I of did. it? Um, I loved it. Uh, I think Will Ferrell took a step back and let Rachel McAdams shine. Um, I literally loved it. I think it was campy, um, but it still had a little heart. So I yeah. think it was good. 
I, 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 many people know my obsession with the Yaya Ding Dong uh, guy. So when he came out for Eurovision to announce uh, uh, Iceland's scores, I, was, I, I, I actually hurt myself worse than I did because I like naturally got up and cheered, and I was like, "No, your back really can't do that. Bad job, bad job." But I was, I was a big fan of that movie. So we're gonna play our first game. It's called Finish the Sentence. I'm gonna give you a sentence, and you're gonna just finish it. My favorite color is midnight blue. If I were an animal, I'd be. Ooh, I'm allergic to cats, but I would definitely be some sort of feline. I fe- no, sorry, take that back. Zebra. All right. My favorite superhero is <clears throat> the Dark Phoenix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My the Disney princess I would be is does not exist. All right. My favorite Disney ride is Star Wars Rise of the uh, Resistance. <laughs> mm-hmm. My dream vacation is ah somewhere by a beach. All right. My biggest pet peeve is mm. God. I guess uh, bo. <laughs> that's fair which is a really funny uh segue to the name of my custom fragrance would be called okay i know that you were finishing a sentence here but my actual pixie fragrant fragrance is um mugler alien and r.i.p mugler yep. because that scent is killer and i i guess i would have to go with that there it is just... and the next country i want to perform in is Ooh. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. 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 Oh fuck. I would love to do London again. All right. Yeah. It's a fun little land. And you know what? The drag scene there is exploding. Yeah. Drag Race has gone mainstream and played a huge part in the local scene. What is the biggest change that has come because of Drag Race? I think for the most part, it's that people don't realize it's the house of RuPaul. Mm-hmm. Um, it literally says RuPaul's Drag Race. It is a house of RuPaul. It is an actual reality competition show before it is actually a drag show. You're never going to go to a drag show and see most of what they do on there. Um, I wish that the pretty drag queens would be pushed to do more avant-garde stuff as much as the avant-garde queens are pushed to look pretty. Um, And I think that, you know, doing one challenge where they're like, do a club kid look, it's just not as much. But you know what? Once again, it's RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I think also like the requirements of having to do a cartwheel or a split in a ballad. Have we not learned anything from Latrice Royale? If you're telling the story and you're standing there and actually lip syncing for your life, you don't need to do all those tricks. As well as even if it's a dance number, you don't need to do all of that. It has to be earned. Earned. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, how has the usage and necessity of social media evolved since you started in the scene? I mean, it didn't even exist. I, 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 I didn't have Instagram when we first started. I, and when we first, and Instagram, God, I, I think when I first got it and I posted and I, and I should go back and actually like repost some of these pictures. 
first of all the phones were not good it was always like a, a season one filter mm-hmm. um automatically and i don't think you actually like i don't know how i don't know how like the following in the life situation happened but yeah it was just not it was not a thing you couldn't just look up how to do stuff you you just have to talk to people that have been doing it a while and see what they did yeah I, I mean i went through your instagram because i love to do my research before interviewing so i went all the way back but what i appreciate about your instagram is there are some people out there who curate their 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 feed and it's it's like the three pictures and another three your photos are filled with friends and artists and people you're showcasing you as a person and as an artist and i appreciate that so much yeah, I don't hide my boy self um, as well on there. It's part of who I am. Um, I, I hate that whole aspect of the influencer situation. I, I just don't understand how someone can be so comfortable online, but then literally have no social skills when it comes to in-person interacting or even on stage performing. Yeah. Uh, um, if you can't entertain me for 15 seconds, you can't entertain me, period. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think one one thing you do better than most people is the ability to talk on the microphone. Not just like host, but you are able to interact with anyone in that room, whether they are the biggest fan or they're one of those annoying people who need to be kicked out and you do a graceful job at telling them and embarrassing them. Yeah. Is there a way for the younger generation to learn how to be better on the mic or does it just take skill and practice? I think it's just practice. Um, But you know what? I also think it comes from everyday conversations. If you literally do not have in-person conversations with different types of people and all you do is interact through a social media platform, that's going to hinder you at the end of the day. Because just being able to talk to a, a random person on the street or something, it just allows you to grow in that way. Um, but now, like, even going to a bar, like, someone would rather be on their phone than actually talking to the person next to them at the bar. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember uh, Jasmine Kennedy's um, Meet the Queens video where she talks about um, needing a co-host because she goes on and blabbles. I remember when she was uh, your drag swap guest for the month. Um, and I remember you cutting her off so many times because she just kept going on. It was comical and funny, but yeah, some, some people just need some, some practice. Yeah. But it's not even just talking. Cause like, you know, if, if you really have a, a like a, an actual comment, if you actually are talking about something and you can talk yeah. forever, great. But when you're just like out of nervousness, just saying anything, you're just kind of like, what, Yeah, <laughs> what's going on? You are no stranger to bringing arts and activism together. How can you use your platform as an entertainer to bring awareness to the issues of today? God, um, first of all, you have the mic. So you choose what to say and what you don't want to say. I think personally for me, I've, I've learned that, you know, the representation of queer Latin excellence that I wanted to see was not getting any it was not coming around so it was you know it's kind of like saying be what you want to see um and I think that's what I've embraced is being that that I've always wanted to see as a young person and even now um 
so just existing and being proud of your existence is, is definitely one way of activism and and having something to say um yeah and it also it's getting up there and preaching it is one thing but like if you're in the moment and just something happens it's acknowledging that and embracing it and speaking on it it's not just getting up there and, and saying a memorized speech Let's go behind the music a little bit. I love to learn what my guest's signature numbers are. What would you say your signature number is and how did it become your signature number? Um, so there's two aspects of that. The first one is what everyone sees as my signature numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there are many. There are, are definitely many and it's because I have never limited myself. Um, I definitely... The Boss by Diana Ross is kind of like my signature disco number. Um, My Voodoo Pussy Mix is kind of my signature number. When anybody ever performs any aspect of that mix, people literally text me. They're like, this queen is doing this. And I'm like, well, I know I did it before. (laughs) Um, uh, There are definitely ballads that are just connected to me. Um, I think... Uh, Shoshana Bean's I Want to Dance with Somebody cover of Whitney's song is something that is connected to me because she gave it to me. Um, I also, Creep is definitely one that I've been doing it forever uh, by Carrie Manalakis, cover Radiohead. Um, I think a lot of the songs that sort of became synonymous to Pixie was because no one else was doing them. And I definitely did my research and like trying to find music that I connected with so that when I started doing it, it was the first time for many people even seeing that song or hearing that song. So that and completely committing myself to it 100% is just kind of like, well, you know, if somebody else does it, they really have to bring it. When it comes to creating a mix, are is it the song first, the theme, the the spoken word? Is there a, a format for you when you create a mix? I think just like outfits, it's definitely the same. Um, it it really determines on what is inspiring me. I it could be an idea, and with that idea, I just look up music, and then I look up any kind of wording, um, audio, and then or it could be audio. When I some, find something so hysterical, I'm like, ooh, I need to like do something with this. It really is just determined on the material that I'm working with. Now, you are known for, dare I say, the best drag roulettes I've ever witnessed. You are willing to go with whatever is requested. Yeah. Even if you don't know it. Yeah. Are there any songs or artists you wish people would stop requesting? This is your chance to tell people no more. Uh, Oh, you think that's going to stop them? No. Um, (laughs) Definitely. You know what? I like the challenge. I really do like the challenge. For the longest time, I didn't understand when people were obsessed with an 18 year old Olivia Rodrigo. I don't, I didn't get it. I still don't get it at times. Um, so instead of going against the, the waves, I have uh, found a way to sort of perform or connect to the music. So I am definitely working on a stupid mix, um, which includes Olivia Rodrigo music because- I'm here for it. If you're gonna make fun of it, at least do something good with it. Absolutely. I mean, you are probably the only person I feel comfortable usually requesting like a male artist like Queen or um, Mika or uh, Adam Lambert, because you you do it well whenever I requested it. 
Well, it's also part of our community. Like, who's what says what kind of music we can't do just because we're in drag and we are female representing? Like, hey, it's still an outfit, you know, it's it comes off. Um, so it's very interesting to me when there's like drag queens that don't do male songs at all. Yeah. All right. Music is universal. It brings people together and helps give a little insight on a person. In this game, we're going to create a playlist of nine songs that are the soundtrack of your life. I'm going to give you a prompt and you're going to give me a song that fits it. Welcome to Pixie's Ultimate Playlist. Okay, shit. <laughs> All right, they'll be easy. A no, song this that is you hard. You know how like the roster <laughs> in my head is just going to be like. Well, let, let's see. We'll, let, we'll start off with a song you sing in the shower. I don't know if I can talk about this. Um, <laughs> There may or may be a song that has not been heard by many people, if any. All right. I love a tease. Yeah. A song that more people should know. Oh, oh okay. Um, oof. Oh, shit. This is hard. This is really hard. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to pull out my, my music. Go for it. No way that I'm going to be. Oh, you're going to get some really random shit. Okay. I love it. I love random shit. Um, um, well, it's not a song, but it's definitely an artist. Seagull Ross. Right. Or Sigrid. Okay. A song that gets you in the mood to party. Okay, this is going to be Alexis Jordan Happiness. All right. A song that reminds you of college. Oh my God, Ida Core. What do you think? Think about it. What do you think about it? Yeah. A song Let me think about favorite. it. That's what it is. Let me think about it. I don't care. A, a song from your favorite Disney movie. <sighs> Hercules. Michael Bolton's version of. Um, Go the distance. Go the distance. His version. Because yeah. his version is good. It is good. A song that reminds you of your first time in drag. Out Tonight, original Broadway recording. Mm -hmm. A song that is good for a breakup. <laughs> in what way? To make you cry or like to sure. like... To get, to get you to emote. Oh my God. Um... Uh, what do I fucking listen to? <laughs> <laughs> um, the band Keen. All right. A song that reminds you of summer. Uh, all the lovers, Kylie Minogue. Finally, the song that made you who you are. Are you serious? <laughs> oh, this God. This is glam award nominated journalism here. 
Um, I would. I'm gonna say Kimbara Selecruz. All right. So you are a theater baby. It's in your blood. Why is theater so important? Hmm. Um, I think for me, it was an escape or at least a way of um, allowing myself to be in different characters and, and telling stories and sort of figuring out what they were because subconsciously I was sort of doing that along with myself and in the theater it was a safe space for that so it might not necessarily have to help directly but it gave me the tools on how to sort of break down what makes a person and allowed me to sort of learn from that have a favorite broadway show of all time i know a very difficult question because my answer changes on a weekly basis I think the first musical that I fell in love with was A Chorus Line. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually saw the movie before I saw the actual production, way before. Yeah. Um, there was there many different aspects of it. I think all the stories that were being told, I connected to it with one way or another, but I think definitely it was the first time that I saw a queer Latin person um, mm-hmm. speaking about sort of the same shit that I had to deal with and even before I even started doing drag um, you know changing his name because it just was more acceptable it's kind of like something that I just innately kind of felt no matter what so yeah that one you have been a part of Broadway Bears for a while including on stage and one of the most iconic performances honoring Stonewall what is it like to be a part of Broadway Bears and what was that performance like? So that one was obviously incredible. It was emotional. Um, it was not just learning dance moves. It was actually like sitting down and, and talking about all of our experiences. And I'm not going to give names away, but there was a lot of self-discovery uh, sure. within those rehearsals for some people where they actually recognized that they had been pushing away certain aspects of their sexuality so a lot it was even more emotional than it was on stage for real um obviously working with Mila Jam again that's that's my girl um very easy it was a very easy process but I think I think working at Broadway Bears uh that was the second time I had done it the first time and both times actually I was asked to do it by the, my choreographer friend, John Alex. And um, I think the first time I was, I was nervous. I was very nervous and I was scared because I felt like I had stepped away from Broadway or theater and, and pursued drag because I didn't fit in the mold and I had to create my own path. So I was very nervous. Um, getting back in that same situation with people that are actually on Broadway were doing stuff that I wanted to do and then being able to dance and perform next to them at the same level and still be able to do it I was just kind of like oh this was never about me it was more about the system it was 
where I was supposed to be being placed as opposed to my abilities. Um, so that was definitely a, a eye-opening experience and definitely one that I cherished a lot. In one of the coolest experience, you, you got to honor John Lewisamo at the Obi Awards as Chi-Chi from Tuong Fu. Must have been a, an incredibly special moment for you. How did it come about and what was it like or was it all a blur in a way? So this literally came uh, came from the director putting a little seed of, hey, for one of your skits, why don't you do something like this? And they're like, ooh, okay, that'd be fun. How do we incorporate that? And they were like, we know a drag queen that could do it. And honestly, that's how it happened. And that's where it came from. It happened very quickly um it was a surreal experience for me there was there was a moment where i just like stood on stage and we were waiting for the lights not no the lights we were just um in a pause before we actually continue running the scene again and i was just like looking at john and i was like holy shit like this is unreal there's like it was like the little gay boy that is just like looking at the tv um and i'm looking at him in the face not only that but i'm also working with him and he is riffing off of me and he's poking fun at me which allows me to make poke fun at him too um so it was it was incredible um and he gave me his blessing that if ever comes on broadway that i should be chi chi so you heard that first you try to audition for chi chi you're gonna die yeah listen whatever john leguizamo says it should go i mean do you think the show will make it to Broadway one day. I know it's been in workshops before. There, there's been test runs. Um, is it is it ready for Broadway? I haven't heard good things about the workshops. I haven't seen them. Yeah, neither have I. <laughs> um, so I can't say that much. But if that show is done, it there needs to be a lot of. Um, defining on what exactly is going on because if you really look at the movie it's all over the place you don't know exactly yes, if they're drag is. queens you don't know if they're transvestites you don't know if they're transgender because there's no drag queen that's traveling in drag and comfortable with it it is not a thing so and a lot of stuff needs to be established and defined of what exactly is going on um just for it to make sense it can't just exist in a especially now in a very frou-frou sort of right. platform um i would love to i would love to do that broadway is not something that i've you know like turned my back on um i just feel like there's if, if i'm going to be a part of something i want to be proud of it and i want to be, be a story that i want to tell i don't want to just fill in somebody else's shoes do you have any dream roles in or out of drag for theater I don't think they've been created yet. I love that. New work is important. Yeah. We are going to play everybody's favorite game. It is called Tea Time. You are going to get to spill some tea on some of your favorite friends, sisters, colleagues, people you share a stage with. You can tell a story. You can just make it a love fest, whatever you want to do for each. Okay. Are you ready to play? Ready. All right. Let's start off. We've talked about it already. Bob the Drag Queen. 
I love Bob. I am so proud of Bob right now. Um, if there's anything on TV that has to do with drag, it is we're here. I've, I've messaged Bob every time I see an episode. It is incredible. It is important. It is poignant and is special. Um, so I am very proud of him for doing this. Next up, Monet Exchange. That is my ride or die. I love that bitch. I really, I love her and I miss her and I'm so pissed off that Bob took her uh, <laughs> to LA. But um, yeah, that's my girl. Next we have Bianca Del Rio. <laughs> it's just a love fest. Um, I'm gonna sit here and say she's a fucking bitch. She is heartless. She's got nothing to offer. Um, <laughs> except that she's got a huge heart and she has been like, I like to call her my grandma, my drag grandma, because if anybody knows a Latin culture, you were raised by the grandma, you're not raised by the mom. So even though she denied me her motherhood, she's definitely my grandma. But, um, no, that is Bianca is someone that I could, if I need something, no matter what it is, I could always turn to. And She's out doing some theater in LA right now. Yeah, she thinks she's an actress, yeah. <laughs> All right, next up is Misdemeanor. Oh my God. Uh, okay, so Misdemeanor, I have known probably as one of the longest snowing uh, drag queens that I've known in the city. Um, besides Lady Blue giving me the first gig, she was actually the one that gave me um, multiple uh, gig opportunities for her Me the Heart of Leather show at Vig 27 which then in turn um, gave me my first weekly gig. Yeah, so I've known that crazy how for a long time. Next up, one of my favorite people, DJ Two-Face. Oh my God, DJ Two-Face and I working together was a complete fluke. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> he, uh, he was covering for uh, David Serrano. He had never done a drag show before. And now he is known as drag DJ. Like everyone yep. wants to work with him. And it's just because he's so in tune. Um, and I think in, in the same way as I am of creating a show, he is very much and sees it that way too. It's just like creating a whole experience um, and not just sitting back there and, you know, listening yep. to what Queen says. Next we have Jasmine Kennedy. You know, we haven't really interacted that much. <laughs> I know she's in there because she's in the new season, but besides us working- Oh, and also because I saw that's one of the people I've seen you perform with at- uh, Right, right, right. Unfortunately, we haven't had that many interactions. Um, I, It's just our, if it weren't for me booking her for Drag Swap, I don't think our paths would have crossed that much. Not that we didn't know each other, but it's just, that's kind of the the curse of New York City nightlife. If, if you're Absolutely. not working in the same place, you can go- a long time without seeing someone true all right what about mary cherry i love that how she is a lot um mm -hmm. but i fucking love her and she's actually going to be my co-host in april so at swap um it's been tradition that she is my co-host for black history month but she couldn't do it this year because she's black um but, <laughs> but she's a <laughs> She's going to be back with me. I haven't seen her forever. You know, we've both 
been through similar experiences this past year. So um, it will be nice to hang out with her for a bit. Nice. Next up, Reefy Royalty. I don't understand what that bitch is famous and why she has so many following. She literally just stands out and does the step touch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Reefy is actually one of the sweetest people ever. Uh, such a huge supporter. Um, yeah, I just love when she decides to get out of bed and walk one block to see my show at Drag Swamp because, you know, she's very busy. Next up, someone I've seen as grown as a baby, Egypt. My niece, my drag niece, even though we're not really drag family related, um, I had to save her from the grasps of Tina Burner because the <laughs> poor thing was being treated like a SWAT, SWAT child. SWAT means whatever. SWAT factory. I don't care. Um, sweatshot. Yeah, a sweatshot. There we go. <laughs> a sweatshot girl. Um, she's definitely grown a lot. And I, I hope that it's from me telling her things and, and me advising her with things. She's definitely done a, a huge growth within the last few years. Next is someone keeping Dragon Theater alive, Jada Valenciaga. Jada Valenciaga. Um, I really don't understand why a lot of people think that we are alike or the same. At all. Uh, some people like really have been like, oh, you're giving us Jada or you're giving us pics. And it's just kind of like, no. Why? Because we're two ethnic girls that dance. Like, really? Like, we're so different. Um, but yeah, definitely another girl that is following her path and creating her own path as well. Because we have to so i'm very proud of her next up juicy lou i haven't seen her in forever she was actually my last co-host before covid went up went down um actually and i told her i was like don't worry girl as soon as we're back i'll get you back and two years later um (laughs) she is so stupid and i like stupid people i really she's i I love people that are just complete idiots. Next, we have the Honorable Marty Gould Cummings. The Honorable <laughs> She is someone that I definitely started in drag with in New York City. We both were at Big 27. She surprisingly had a gig. I was a server. Um, <laughs> and... She's definitely grown a lot. It's just taking a long time to get to where she is. <laughs> she is a very special person. She really is. And all wholeheartedly, she is. She's a great person. She loves the community. Yeah. Next, we have Chelsea Pierce. Another queen that if I don't run into her i probably would not see a lot but i've known her for a long time um as well yeah like i really don't see her as often it's really yeah i think you named a lot of the people that i hang out with or see a lot now we're entering into the world of like (laughs) i haven't seen let's see have when was the last time you saw holiday the last time i saw holiday was Early December. Yeah. Any tea on Holly? All right. 
<laughs> Let's go to Brenda Darling. Brenda Darling, uh, the sweetest dumb bitch around. Um, yeah, she is a, she is, she really is a sweet person. Um, she is shady, and you you don't know she's shady, but she's real shady. But she will put on a smile, and I'll be like, oh Brenda, oh. She's never going to say something bad. No, she is shady. Give her enough drinks and she'll spill the tea. <laughs> Next, Bootsula Ferris. God, what are we talking about her? Uh, we will be attached to the hip forever because we just started at the same time. We went to school together. Uh, we know how to press each other's buttons. Um, but <laughs> she is a very special creature. Sometimes I look at Bootsy and I'm like, what the hell are you doing? And then other times I'm like, wow, finally. Uh, she, well, she loves being the comedy queen and she sure makes you laugh with her nice. or after. And finally, what tea do you have on Keisha Carr? Keisha Carr is probably one of the most difficult people to get a hold of if you are dying. Uh if you are trying to get a hold of her, her phone will not work. Um, but like I said earlier in the conversation, uh, Keisha and I started out at the same time in the city. Um, we actually did our first duets with each other. Um, and it's been really awesome seeing, seeing each other get to the place where we are. You've fallen down a rabbit hole on YouTube. What are you watching videos of? Well, it could either be videos of Cheetah Rivera. It could be Oscar acceptance speeches. Um, I do that a lot. It could be uh, random performances. Um, yeah, it sometimes it's a very obvious path, and then other times it just it goes everywhere. That's fair. That's that's how I am as well. Now, what is your go-to karaoke song? <laughs> Oh my God, only because I feel like this is one of the first pop songs that I learned. Um, feeling Good, which honestly, I don't even perform. I just feel like it's the top of my head. It's not, It's either that or Suddenly Seymour. Um, As a solo or a duet? Do you have a duet partner for it? No, I do both. Nice, I'm here for it. If you had to pick one New York City drag artist to be your partner on The Amazing Race, who would it be? Can you explain The Amazing Race to me? Because I don't watch it. <laughs> so The Amazing Race is the one where you and a partner travel around the world, have to do challenges, and basically whoever wins gets a million bucks. So there's some like eating challenges, heights challenges. Why did you start with eating challenges? <laughs> Because that's usually the thing. If you, you got to make sure you have a partner, if you're not an eater, to find someone who can't eat. You know what? I'm going to go on a whim and say my my very recent co-host at Drag Swap, Esa Noche. I have really formed a really awesome friendship with her. And I think she would be as ridiculous and as stupid on a show like that to like get what we we have to do. Um, I'm here for it. Yeah, if you haven't seen Esa Noche, it's just, it's a treat. It's just, we're, 
if people were watching a show, they were watching a show, but I felt like we were just like kicking in my living room. Love that. Listen, I'm I'm here for putting drag queens on other reality shows. Like, I mean, we still don't know. There's still the rumor of maybe a Miss Shangela on Celebrity Big Brother. We'll find out thought, maybe next week. I thought that was happening. I and I mean, I don't know if it's official. They until uh, they are walking in that house and the live feeds come on. I nothing is official, but I. That's I've true. already told everyone if she is on, I'm absolutely recapping it because Big Brother is like my favorite show ever. She would be so good on it. So I have my previous guests ask my current guests a question, and this is a question from Jace Vegas. Oh, okay. If you could have an animal as a pet, any animal, what would it be? Well, I think the obvious would be a, a dog. Um, or, or at least one of the obvious ones would be a dog. And I, I, I would want a dog. However, I have three breeds that I've really grown interested in because um, mm-hmm. I wanted to adopt a pet during the beginning of COVID. And then all of the kennels were taken up and it just ended up being like, I wasted time. So my number one, and I've wanted this breed for the longest time. So it's not like I saw all these dogs in the, in the street and I'm like, oh, now I want one. But it would definitely be a um, Australian Shepherd. I just have always loved that dog. I've always loved it. Then the other breed would be a Brittany, which is a type of Spaniel. And then the other one would be a Munsterlander. Nice. Um, I have an Aussie Doodle. Okay. Um, and wow, that that boy, he is so hyper, love him yeah. to death, cutest dog, but ooh, he he's six years old and acts like a puppy still. Work. Um, but of course, you know, that's also the idea of adopting a rescued animal. I'm not opposed to that either. Yeah. But yeah, I think it would definitely be a dog. Well, now is your turn to ask my next guest a question. And it can be about anything you want. And you don't get to know who the guest is. Okay. I was wondering, I was like, that's not a very specific question for me. Right. So that it, it's a fun way to, you can ask about anything, theater, drag, life, and anything you want. All right. We've had very serious questions, very stupid questions, and very personal questions from some people. <laughs> okay. If there was one thing that we could change going back into the past, what would it be? Right. I like that. I like that. We always try to expand the community here on Block Talk. Who would you like to hear an interview from in the future? Hmm. Within New York City nightlife? Or or beyond. I Now in the world of Zoom, I'm able to talk to anybody, really. Yeah, I think um, it would be somebody outside of New York City Nightlife. I think um, exposing other people. You know what? Let's do uh, Martha Bichu or Selena Estides. I love it. Well, where can we find you on social media, Venmo, and any projects you want to plug? It's all on Pixie Aventura. Everything is Pixie Aventura. I have not been sought out by IRS yet, so we're good. (laughs) Well, this has been an absolute dream having you on. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. 
a big thanks to Pixie for coming on. Subscribe to Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. And don't forget to visit buymeacoffee.com slash blocktalk to show support for the pod. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Block Talk.